it! I told you I was gonna sneeze. Valor Magulis, and welcome to Brotherhood Without Manners, a full spoiler reread podcast of George R.R. R. Martin's A Game of Thrones, well, a Song of Ice and Fire series, but we're reading A Game of Thrones first. Today we will be covering for you brand one. As always, I'm Zach, and with me is Nate. Is that guy the the lead of this this podcast? Well, I'm over here theory crafting, man. You're theory about crafting. as much of a leader as way more Royce is. Hey, you know. He's clearly driving some things here in the series, but... Yeah, the the emo push across Westeros. Well, I'm going to join up with the emo push, and then I'm going to fight him. Waymar is old news. There is new news. Well, new teaser with the, the, the Crips trailer, which came out about a week ago now? Something like that. Something like that, and we're still discussing it. Um, you actually mentioned today that you think the Crips are more significant than... Yeah, I think I'm that, originally uh, giving credit because I'm taking it all metaphorically. Yeah, like I think 100, percent but I also think that the Crips, you know, they could have shown the the White Walkers fighting the Starks in any way, in any location. Line them up on a battlefield face to face. You got yourself a teaser, but you then have them in the Crips. I feel like something's going to happen in the Crips specifically. Like there's actually going to be an event that occurs down there, not just a. Yeah, we're driven here because we're Starks, and this is where our families yeah, yeah. buried. I don't know. It just, to me, it just seemed like, because actually you pointed it out to me first, that Arya doesn't seem to be walking in the crypt. She seems to be walking in the Hall of Faces where she trained. And so to me, it, it's all, it all just seems metaphorical where they all had their own journeys, Arya through the Hall of Faces. John was heavily inspired by his father, or Ned Stark, his uncle. And, yeah, and Sansa was heavily inspired yeah, by her and mother, it's not to say and then that they it's all converge. Metaphorical, still. yeah. No, I think it is, but I, just... I also think that there's a specific reason for them meeting in the crypts. That that's where something is going to happen and occur, and whether it be a, a large event or just something that they discover, or D and D are just fucking with all of us, and they know that we all want something to be in the crypt, and that's all we get is the teaser for it, and there's nothing to do with the crypt in the last season. Fucking suck it. Fuck you all. Well, somebody that has heavy ties to the crypt is the subject of our chapter one today. Not in this chapter, but he will later on. Only one not in the trailer. In the trailer as well, Bran won. His first chapter in a Game of Thrones. First chapter, yeah. chapter. So excited. Popped his chapter cherry. So I loved rereading through this chapter. Yeah, this chapter's like, great. It was so good. Um, so just to to start, my big question, I guess, is is it? Do you think there's significance to the fact that we're seeing the world through Bran first? I think that it assists in building the world. Because it gives us this more optimistic view on the world mm. itself, and seeing even. From a seven-year-old, because we learned, you know, the books, he's seven years old. He's a little kid. Yeah, he's not, attention's drawn to that pretty know, early he's on. He's not yeah. older, uh, you know, he's, the, the the level that he's grasping concepts at is well, well beyond a seven-year-old. Maybe I'm reaching there. I was a like, pretty dumb seven-year-old, man. Like, I couldn't be cared. Right, like, right. I couldn't be, obviously. And this kid's going on his here, first beheading. Yeah, like, that, that's it. The he, chapter opens with, enough. they said... They set forth at daybreak to see a man beheaded, and okay, like that—that's a hell of a 
I always, especially with these, the, the, the prologue in this chapter, it always reminds me of like high school when you were being taught to write an essay, and they always said you got to have a really powerful hook to yeah, grab someone. Yeah. Like these these opening sentences, you know, they set forth at daybreak to see well, a man behead it. Like it oh, says, shit, it okay. hinted at the end of summer, and like that's super cool. Just you know, with the whole obviously their their words and everything, but mm. you know, it's it just the fact that right in the very beginning they're already talking about the end of the summer, like. Something's happening. This is the the end of an era, the dawn of an age, the beginning of something. But there's also snow on the ground, and and so right. it's this contrast of it's the end of summer, but there's still snow on the ground. So apparently, where they are anyway, during summer it snows, and so that is a little more of that world building. You know, in exactly, the north, there's this exactly. constant snow. So. Bran, who we're viewing this world from now, on their way to the beheading, because they're, they're, they've got a party of about 20 people, um, he's described as being nervous with excitement, and I, I, <laughs> like, I can't... Psychopath like, That's it, fold. like, this kid is giddy for, I mean, I get it, it's, you know, being included in adult activities, that giddiness of when you were a kid being able to stay up late or yeah, whatever, yeah. but... It, it just, it comes, it does come off a little psychopathic, <laughs> like, oh shit, man, I can't wait to see this shit. But, uh, yeah, no, so this kid is with his father, uh, some members of his father's household guard, um, his half-brother Jon Snow, and his legit brother Rob, and uh, it's highlighted, again, his age. It was the ninth year of summer, and again, summer is repeated. And but that's also, they say it's the ninth year of summer. That's it. Summer's so been you, going on you, for nine you years. You start learning, like, that's, these these seasons aren't like ours. They're not, you know, on that nice little cycle. Yeah, so, yeah, the the ninth year of summer, the seventh of Brand's life. So, yeah, Martin wants us to be aware that this is just a kid going to a beheading, that it's a harsh existence in this world. Um, so one of the cool things as they're heading through the gate on their way to the beheading is uh, his father is there as well. And we learn that's Le- Lord Eddard Stark. Ned. Ooh. Big Ned. And he's the Lord of Winterfell. And Bran looks up at him, and this is part of that, that child thing, but is it? He says he his father has removed... He's taken off the face of his father and donned the, the face of Lord Stark. Mm. And, you know, is. Is that a a teaser to the for Arya? Yeah, you know. See, I I I know we've we've discussed this before at length, but I think it slightly is and it slightly isn't. I think it's mainly meant to show that Ned is Has caring these... and, and does care for his kids, and you know is a very soft spoken, tells stories by the fire. That but they can all, also be the but firm can hand. be the firm hand. I do think that firm that hand. absolutely <laughs> yeah, he is a firm hand later. Um, I, God damn it. <laughs> Ned Stark is firm. Um, I do think it's also hinting a little bit to the future of his youngest daughter. Um, in the faces. In the faces that she will be donning. Do you later think it's on. so much hinting that, like, Ned's alive in the bird? No, that he swapped faces with Varys in the, in the jails. Mer- Varys is a mermaid, you know, <laughs> and so no, he's not swapping faces. Varys is not a mermaid. Don't kill me. But no, I think it's mainly just to paint Ned in this light. But to for for reread purposes, I think it absolutely. I, and I don't even know if Martin intended it, but I think it absolutely is a is a slight, a subtle little, a call, subtle little call to yeah, the yeah. fact that Arya will eventually have the power to don different faces. Absolutely. Um, I thought it was interesting with Bran that 
by his, you know, fourth or fifth or seventh paragraph, we've gotten Summer mentioned quite a lot. Um, that's what, like, like right, I said, especially right. with the, the ninth year of Summer. summer and, and, and that line summer. I mentioned there at the beginning. With the and I just, I couldn't help but think that that's a reference to his direwolf. That what his direwolf, obviously, oh. we, they, we haven't met Yo, them yet. like, and, I haven't actually... I've never actually thought about yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're meant to, I think we're meant to correlate Bran with Summer. Yo. Summer, Summer, it's it's mentioned a ton. So when, in at the end of the chapter, when he finds his direwolf and that becomes its name, I, I think that groundwork is laid. Yo, that's, like, deep. I've I've never thought about that before. Yeah, no, right it's, it, 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 was ber- it felt like it was beratingly obvious to me. I mean, the things you catch in a reread, um, but, yeah, so they, the, this party's traveling, um, Summer's being beaten over our head and they get there and the the man Garrett who we met in the prologue at least I'm assuming we're assuming it's Garrett um well I've recently changed my thoughts well, on yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to the conclusion that we just assume this is Garrett but Garrett's actually cold hands Jesus Christ so I'm it, sticking it, with like, that theory it's actually a little credible like <laughs> I mean, talking out of my ass, it's credible. I haven't it's, it's, backed it's, it up with any... Disprove me, man. Uh, well, we'll have to look into some yeah, chapters and dance. So, but, anyway. So, uh, it says, questions were asked, answers given. We're not told what passes between Ned and Garrett, really. Um, which I think is unfortunate. I really would have liked to have known that conversation. But Ned Stark, in doing his lordly duty, has Garrett dragged over to the stump. And it's at this moment that he calls for his sword, and we get to meet his fucking pain-in-the-ass ward. But more importantly, and way better, we get to see Ice for the first time. Yes. And Ice is a sweet fucking sword. It's described as uh, the width of a man's hand, uh, which I have little yo, baby yo, hands, but hands. even that is still pretty big for a fucking sword. And it and stands as tall as, as Rob. Tall, like, and he's 14, so like... Him and Jon Snow were both fourteen at this point. He, he ain't he ain't no midget. Yeah, no, like he's, he's not he's tiny. No, he's, he's no not Tyrion. Little, so like, and that's a big fucking sword. And so Ned just and like the, the way that it's described, it's just it the, sounds like the, the, the Valyrian it's, steel. It's spell forged and dark as smoke. Like it's it's, fuck. it's intense. It's an intense sword, man. I mean, that's a scary fucking thing to look up and see coming down for your neck, but. So then we get the the title of who's in charge of this bitch. We get the name the king, king Baratheon, Robert, and the name as of king Ned Robert Baratheon. lists off just these what he rules over everything uh, essentially. Uh, and so again with that world building, like really, as, as, yeah. As far to us, it, it makes Robert seem insanely powerful, king, yeah, the king of the Roiner right. and the First Men, and yada yada yada. It's just this long. Fucking and then title. he just fucking boom. And then yeah, one job done, done and quick and clean, and the head bounces over to his ward, Theon Greyjoy, who, mm-hmm. like a dipshit, a decides to punt it. And it rolls away, and his his uh, Bran's half brother John, the best summing up of a character in this book, leans in and says to his little brother, "Ass, <laughs> perfect." Which, uh, yeah, no, it's gold because that's exactly what Theon is and will continue to be. So the duty's done. Bran is kind of mesmerized by the fact that the snow is drinking up the blood, and I thought that was an interesting mind drinking, Mm -hmm. um, just because later on we do find out that sacrifices were made to the werewolf. Especially with Bran, 
Jojen Pace? Yeah. Jojen Pace? Fuck, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Jojen Pace. But, um... Uh, no, yeah, it. it but now we get an our, interesting yeah, descriptor. That's, that's cool. So they, so they're leaving, and we get our first cool little back and forth between the brothers. Yeah, we get the three brothers are riding ahead from the rest of the party. We've got Rob, John, Snow, and Bran, and uh, they're they're talking about what just happened. And I think it's Rob who says he died. He well. died well, which is you know, it's for, a very honorable and lordly thing to, to say. Again, quickly mention. These kids, these two are fourteen. Yeah, exactly. like for him to be able to, especially when we talk about John, whose next line is saying, "No, he was paralyzed with fear." Mm-hmm. Basically, there was he had, there was fear in his eyes. That's all that it was. Not that he's saying he didn't die well. Yeah, no, he he agrees that he died well, but, but it was it fear wasn't in his because eyes. of yeah. honor that he was doing it. Yeah, and he, then uh, Brand notices that there's, and he says, "Cause and I like." They mentioned John's eyes were gray, so dark, they're almost black, but there was little they did not see. Mm. And for a 14-year-old to be offering up this advice and... To where a, a, a 7-year-old or a 9-year-old, whichever I seven. Mean, seven. He's 7, it's been 9 to, years. So ago. a 7-year-old can pick up on how intelligent and, and wise his brother is, that his brother can pick up on these things and know that the you know the man didn't... There was more to the situation than appeared. It wasn't just some vile villain. There was something that he was, yeah. you know. Because at this point, he they he had first assumed that it was wildling. Yeah, on the yeah. way. Yeah, on the way there, which is where we get the description from old man. And Brand's actually he's a little disappointed when he sees Garrett because he he was picturing old man right, stories of these right. crazy and it's just this raggedy, and it's this ragged, yeah. Dude. And so um, then a. a, a they, they, it begins contrasting through Brand's eyes, John yeah, and Rob, right, and right. it says where Rob is muscular and lean, John is quick and lanky, and it's just super interesting that as as well as they get along, they they definitely have this brotherly competition and and competitiveness with them. They they so contrast each other in yeah yeah in with the, almost the, perfect ways where they're which it's funny polar that they're opposites. so early on. Martin is. Planting these, these John's two are difference. clearly not like in that they're obvious, not brothers. Like, it's, right. it's it's more of a uh, they resemble each other more closer to like cousinly it, type thing. Yeah, it, it, so it, it's a more distant fam- familiar yeah. relationship. Familiar, fam- familiar. I don't fucking familiar. know. What the sure. fuck word am I trying to say? Familial. That's it. That's <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So those two, speaking of competitive, they 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 decide to race to the bridge. Yeah, so, so they kick off Deuce and Brand decides, nah, I'm on this little teeny tiny pony. That thing ain't gonna keep up. And decides he ain't. So I ain't racing that. with him. But at this point, that's when his father Ned rides up yes. alongside him, and he asks him, and it says not unkindly, but he asks, "Are you well, Brand?" Which Just, is, he's clearly now removed that Lord Stark. Yeah, he's back to the father's face. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the not unkindly is super important. He's not, you know, you you little pussy, you okay? Like, it's... it's, Man uh, up. Yeah, you need to man up. And it's, it's, uh, you know, are are you well? Was that that rough to see? And Bran's doing okay with it, but then Ned asks him, do you know why I had to do it? And Bran is like, yeah, you know, he was a deserter. He, he, He broke the law. And Ned's like, no. You know why I had to do it, Me. bro? And that's I... when he explains that the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. And that right there is the epitome of Ned Stark. Yeah, where which it leads to his 
I, absolutely, uh, it leads to his death. But he then goes on. Uh, I, I I thought it was super interesting when Ned is talking about Oathbreakers. He says, "No man is more dangerous. The deserter knows his life is forfeit if he is taken, so he will not flinch from any crime, no matter how vile." And I just I think that's interesting because that oath, the term Oathbreaker especially, is used a lot in this story. Yeah, Jamie Lannister, all these people. So it's just it, and, and even for Garrett, it kind of to me just shows the, the flaw in this whole system where. Well, it, assuming that the man they just beheaded was Garrod, what he saw, he had an absolute legitimate reason to run from and be terrified of. And so, but no matter what he said from that point when he ran, his life was forfeit. He was dead. Right. right. And so it's just this this cycle of this system that just doesn't really work that well where... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did. That's and that's, so what's, that's what's unfortunate is because, like, he says the right things. But nothing's going to be the right thing. And so even though he's being completely honest about the fact that he saw the White Walkers, like, he saw the others. They fucking, they killed his party. Like, and that's why he ran. He was, he, yeah, he should have checked in. He should have done that. But even if he says that stuff, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, no. He's and so, at the wall. They're going to think he's crazy. So it, it, no, he, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't type thing. Because if he stayed there and did his duty, he probably would have died. But if he... Ran run. to the wall, he would have been deemed as a madman and probably either executed similarly or just you know stuffed away somewhere right, right. to serve. And so, but he was wasn't thinking straight because he was scared. Absolutely, out of his way. so he deserted. And so, you and know, then he, he's dead. That's he's it. Dead anyway. Any any anywhere he sought shelter in the north, most likely would have beheaded him as a traitor. Right. So then Bran mentions how uh, John had said that he had died well, and you know, and Rob had said that. And he mentions being brave, and he asks, can a man still be brave if he is afraid? And Ned, one of my favorite lines from the whole series, that is the only time a man can be brave. Which I think is perfect, because while in in the coming story we don't ever really see Ned afraid... All we do see it all in his children. We see them in intense, intense situations that children shouldn't be in, and they have to be insanely brave, and they all do in their own way. And so it's again just another of these. You know, Ned's almost telling Bran what he's going to need, or right. showing him what he's going to need, without either of them knowing how truly harsh of a journey Bran Is has coming. Face. And so it's right around this point, Ned and Bran are father sunning it up, and John rides back up shouting that him and Robert found something. Jory Cassell, the leader of Ned Stark's household guard, asks him if it's trouble, and Ned says, most fucking certainly, it's my son's, so what let's go saying? see what they got into. So they all go up, and they see Rob holding a direwolf, and a dead mother direwolf, a big, big one. Big ol' fucking, bigger than fucking... So everybody Brand's freaks out. Funny. Um, because a dire wolf hasn't been spotted north of the wall or south, south of the wall of 200 in two hundred years. years. Um, and so everybody's a little freaked out by it. They immediately and they come up and they smell. It smells of corruption. Is mm. how they explain it. And Jory decides it's a sign. He says it's a sign. He literally, and I quote, "It's a sign to Ned, who." 
Ned says, it's only a dead animal, but he still seems troubled. Mm. It, and not only Jory, but even because uh, uh, Rob's holding the pup and Ned Sark kind of is checking out the mother and he asks what killed her and Rob, so proud to have the answer immediately, is like, oh, I found something in her neck and, you know, hoping to score brownie points with Dad. <laughs> and so Ned pulls an antler out from the throat of the direwolf and everybody goes quiet and to the point where Bran picks up on it that there's something ominous about what just occurred or what we just saw and we as re-readers know that it's it's right, a symbol right. of the Baratheon stag so leading to the death of the, dire, that, the Stark that, direwolf Ned also is surprised that she even lived to birth the cubs and Jory was like Maybe she didn't. And one of the household guards just arbitrarily throws out, born with the dead, worse luck. Mm. I mean, the fact that they were, he's claiming that they were born with the dead. And that's, I mean, I feel like that's a huge thing, that there's these six cubs born with the dead, walking this, you know, path without a parent. Mm -hmm. There's way more than just, Stag antler. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. And it's, I don't know, blows my mind. Yeah. So, I, so Bran is picking up on something, some sign. Ned says, "You know, fuck it all. I don't listen to signs." Right. And so says, they start and, arguing because uh, half of Ned's guard wants to just kill the pups, and even Ned agrees. It'll a little be, cunty McCunt cunt. It'll comes be up. yeah, and Theon's Theon, all fucking like, I'll do it. Let yeah, me Theon's leading the charge to do it, and Rob steps into a lordly fashion and says, you, "You'll do no such thing." And Bran even says he he sound never sounded more lordly than he did right there. And so Rob, you know, shuts Theon the fuck up, and then they begin arguing with their father. Let you know, let us keep them, and. That's when John steps in, and John makes, and even Bran realizes it, a huge sacrifice by saying, Lord Stark, there are five pups, you have five true-born children, and that's when Bran is, you know, like, shit, the, that count only came to that because John omitted himself, because John is a snow, he's, he's the bastard son, he doesn't really count as a Stark, so John wouldn't get a puppy, and, I mean, that sucks if you've ever been right, somewhere, like, and everybody else is getting Everyone's got an ice cream, and you're sitting there. Yeah, and exactly, like, oh, so Bran is, is just super in love with his half-brother at that moment, because he was so selfless, and that's when Ned is, says, you know, you will feed them yourselves, you will train them yourselves, you know, and these aren't dogs. So to he be even says, right before, says, Ned regarded John thoughtfully. And so J Ned was fully aware of what John just did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ned knows that John, I mean, for all intents and purposes, John's a good kid. Like, he, mm -hmm. you know, he's selfless, he, he's honorable, he is insightful, he's inquisitive. Um, and yeah, he just made a huge sacrifice so that they can have these, these pups and. And, and not himself, yeah, all his then, siblings. But yeah, can. like you said, Ned puts all the responsibility on the, on the and, and tells them they're not dogs to be brutalized. You know, they'll they'll rip your fucking arm off if you if you're not right to the if you don't treat these animals right. And so they load them up, and and I just have to say, Bran is fucking me when seeing <laughs> a dog because he when he sees the pup in Rob's arms, he just fucking squeals and runs right up to him and just shoves his face in it and is just loving it. And, like, if that's not any dog owner, I don't so know what I, is. There was also something uh, Rob said, right, as their, as their father was yelling at them. He goes, 
we won't let them die. Mm. And like, man, if that doesn't tug at the heartstrings, especially coming from Rob, like, man, you're gonna be wearing his fucking head soon, you oh, know? Jesus. Like, so they're riding away. Everybody's got the uh, so the the other pups go to other members of the guard. Yo, this part trips me out. Brand's holding his, and Rob's holding his, and. John pulls up and he hears something and nobody else can hear it. Nobody. Not a single person. And so John stops and locates the noise and he goes down and he finds another wolf pup. And this one is, as fuck all Greyjoy describes him, uh, it's a, it's an albino, it's a freak. And uh, John grabs this little wolf pup and he says, no, it's mine. And so John's going to take this one. This one... This fucking wolf cub, man. So I want to point out that it's the only one that has its eyes open. Mm-hmm. And Bran mentions that and says that he thought it curious that this pup alone could see while the others were still blind. Mm-hmm. And not to mention he was already... Ex- he was putting himself away, distancing himself by crawling away, separating well, himself Well, Ned from thought him. maybe he was driven away. Uh, maybe that he was the runt because he was distanced from the pack and, and someone said, you know, he must have crawled off and Ned said, or maybe he was driven off. So I just, the the, the parallels between this pup and, I mean, John earlier was described as, well, as see, having yeah, his eyes open and seeing things clearly. That's similar with his pup and this pup being driven away from He's the siblings. He grows yeah. and sees. And then I thought it was interesting as well that this pup's eyes, not only are they open, they're red. And the red on white is very reminiscent of the werewolves. And just to me, some yeah. seems to symbolize a connection to the old See, gods. I was thinking, like, the, the red and black from... Uh... Or red and white. I, I'm fucked. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, no. Uh, so this pup has red eyes and pure white fur, and we know the weirwood trees, which are described in the next chapter, but we know that they are red leaves. They've got red sap coming from the eyes and the carvings in the face, and the bark is yeah, very, pu- very white. no pun intended, stark white. So I just thought that was interesting, that there's a huge connection between John's pup, and I think it symbolizes the old gods, so... Yeah, but yeah, that about wraps up Brand One. Uh, they yeah, pack so up their direwolves and go home. I, the first chapter into the the series that started it all. I think it was great. We could have certainly done with less Theon, but <laughs> um, no, it's it's awesome um, being able to meet people like Ned Stark and Jon Snow and Rob Stark through Brand's eyes. I think helps paint them in a. Yeah, I think it more gives heroic them light, a more uh, fantastical look on the world. There's a little more optimism in the 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 you know insight that he's giving, as opposed to as we'll see very soon uh, the his mother's his adult. mother's perspective, yeah. which is next. Yeah, um, and I think it's just a great look at the North and building of the North and what we understand. Uh, the prologue, obviously, we were a little further north. Now we're a little further south, and we're just kind of getting the laws and the customs down, you know, he right, passes right. the sentence to swing the sword. Um, of the, the north. Fact, of the, In the yeah. north, exactly. And the fact that, you know, uh, it's summer, but there's still snow it's, on the ground. Right. It's, it's, it's this weird kind of wacky. So we're, we're still learning the rules of this world, but this chapter did great in helping explain some of them and introduce... Very key, quickly, key we characters. learned... Yeah, we met a lot of characters Including really early. Including wolves. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it's... It's the perfect starting point. All right. Um, yeah, so 
That was our thoughts on Bran 1 from A Game of Thrones, so... Let us know what you think. Um, Do you agree? Who would you uh, honorarily induct um, into this brotherhood of ours so from Bran 1? I was thinking about it, and for Bran 1, I think my inductee has to be Jon Snow. Um... You know, he's a badass, he gives his brother all sorts of advice, he's, you know, he probably won that race against Rob, betcha. Most likely. Betcha. And, you know, he talked Ned into into keeping the wolves, but more than all of that, he summed up Theon in one three-letter word. Ass. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good one. Jon Snow, welcome to the Brotherhood for today, for this week. Um, mine would have to be Ned Stark, um... Nettie. Just because I love... Because he still has his head. I love old lost-his-head Ned, but... No, in this chapter, it's for the line, a ruler who hides behind paid executioners soon forgets what death is. And I think that just perfectly foreshadows his own death <laughs> at the hands of a paid executioner and a ruler who has forgotten or never knew to begin with the what truth. death was. Right. So, Ned, for the time that we got you, I'm going to try to induct you as much as I can, so... Word. So let us know who you guys would induct. For brand one. be somebody else. Uh, otherwise, if you like what we had to say, if you hate what we had to say, let us know. We're we're all over the place now. Our Facebook, facebook.com slash brotherhood podcast. Our Twitter, at manners without. Our Instagram, brotherhood, at brotherhood without. And our Gmail, without manners brotherhood at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. So find us there, Brotherhood Without Manners. Give us a rate and review. We would appreciate the fuck out of that. Bump us up. We're also on Spotify, Google. Just look us up. Yeah, Otherwise, you'll our, find us. We're actually on our website as well, mannerswithout.buzzsprout.com. So find us somewhere. That does it for Brand 1, but next week we're going to be covering Catlin 1. Catlin 1. And then from there we've got Danny's first chapter. So hope you guys are reading along with us and sticking with us, and we'll see you next week.